Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of XP Gains. My name, as always, is McThane, and I'm here with my fellow legend and co-host, Mr. Silverstrike. Absolutely, baby. And if you hadn't guessed already, we're going to be covering today a game that got shadow dropped on us just about a week and a half ago. And that game, of course, is Apex Legends. No marketing, no hype train, just appeared on EA's origin. We've been playing the crap out of it. We'll give you the lowdown right here on XPG, everything we love about it, anything that we don't like, from start to finish, gameplay to monetization. You know it's all here on XPG. See you on the flip side. Enjoy the episode, everybody. So, how long was it when we recorded the last episode? Is it three weeks ago? I want to say it's three weeks ago. Yeah, it was a while anyway. We, we did the last episode very, very late on our schedule. And you being the hero that you are, managed to edit it and get it online in what, a day? Yes, I think it was a day. That's right. Well, congratulations. Virtual handshake over the internet. I think it went live just as the second weekend of the Anthem demo ended. And it wasn't much later when Respawn Entertainment, the guys behind Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2, shadow dropped a game on us called Apex Legends. And what a game. And what a game it is. It's a game that has achieved a 25 million player base. It's gotten that in less than two weeks. Bear in mind as well that this is, when we say shadow dropped, no marketing, no hype. We didn't know about the game. Yeah, just showed up. The only people who knew about it were probably a few select streamers and various other things to draw attention to it, but it was after release that all of this went live. Yeah, so basically, the guys at Respawn said it wasn't a good idea to do some marketing here because, and I quote, we're doing a free-to-play game with essentially loot boxes after we were bought by EA and it's not Titanfall 3. It's the perfect recipe for a marketing plan to go awry. So why have that? Let's just ship the game and let the players play. And oh boy, do the players play the game. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's absolutely amazing. I have to say it's the only Battle Royale game I've ever truly enjoyed. And what a hell of a game it is. Such an experience. Really excellent. But we're going to cover, of course, all the things that we think are great. I don't know if we actually have that many criticisms about it, but where we find them, we'll, we'll definitely root them out. Um, I don't think I have many, but, yeah. but anyway, yeah, I just want to talk about it because it's an interesting game. It's very yeah. interesting. It has There's many things to it that are just super nice touches that I want to talk about. So yeah. it's a battle royale game. It's a first person. It's a first person shooter battle royale game worth saying because Fortnite is, is well, maybe, maybe, maybe we can even say was the industry leader in that. I want to, yeah, I want to talk about the, yeah, the historical context. So Sure. Before even Player Unknown's Battlegrounds was a thing, there was H1Z1. Yep. Uh which had a battle royale mode uh -huh. that caught on. And then uh of course Player Unknown's Battlegrounds released and it became an instant hit. Uh because it all the it had all the right ingredients, a big map, the shrinking circle, uh, which basically eliminates one of the big problems in in in, in multiplayer games, which is camping in, in shooting games, right? I think also it drew in a lot of, I remember we were talking about survival shooters at one point, like these open world games like uh, like Rust or like yeah, Ark yeah, yeah. is another very well-known example. But I remember saying about this genre, the, the main problem is that you don't really have an objective. You don't have a start and you don't have a finish. You just kind of, you just kind of play. Yeah, and exactly. And a lot of people enjoyed 
the gameplay mechanics, but because it felt somewhat undirected and there was no real end, there was no real objective, it just felt like it kind of wandered a little bit. And I feel like the shrinking circle, the limited match length really gives that a purpose and a direction. And it yeah. really married those two genres together. It gives you kind of a, a nice loop. You can keep playing with clear, clear beginning and clear end. Whereas a survival game can be, can feel like it has, you know, no real destination, right? Actually, you know what? It's, it's worth pointing something out here. And this is kind of interesting, but I only just realized this when we're talking about it now. It solves one of the crucial issues that exists in, I, I guess what you would call progressive gameplay loops, where if you think about a MOBA, Yes. A MOBA can go on for half an hour to an hour. That's right. Yes. And if you're if you're losing, you don't want to just stop trying. But if you keep trying, you may just end up dragging out the inevitable. And so you're effectively losing for 45 minutes of the game. And that's yes. not pleasurable. In this game, it's run by elimination. And the people who remain in the game are kept in contact with each other using the shrinking circle mechanic, which means people who have lost are out of the game and they get to start a new game. That's right. People yes. who have a reason to keep playing get to keep playing. So it actually solves a really big issue in a lot of progressive gameplay loops in a very unique way. Yes. Actually, that reminds me. Um, one of my favorite modes to play in in one of the old Call of Duty games was Search and Destroy. Uh huh. This was a team-based mode, but there was one big difference from the regular team deathmatch and other modes it was objective based so it meant you had to go and either uh arm or defuse a bomb and every team member only had one life right which made it kind of very tense and focused whereas if you generally play like team deathmatch in in any shooter really it kind of feels like madness because you're respawning you're shooting you know it's like all over the place whereas it's a much more focused game if you have a single objective and a single life combining that that concept along with basically a much bigger map makes the game far more interesting that's what i think PUBG really nailed for the very first time uh -huh. very big map objective driven approach of course you have to kill each other but the objective is that you you make it to the next circle and survive there well, and of course, it also has this this interesting semi-random, semi-progressive gameplay system here where yeah. un unlike a, a, an open-world survival shooter like Rust or Ark, you're not really building up your technology, but you have a, a very stripped-down version of that where you have to scavenge your equipment. Yeah, which is also great because it's one of those things that kind of got worse when you, when you play like a Call of Duty game and you're playing Search and Destroy, you have your own loadouts that you can use. So if somebody's played for X amount of hours... Yeah, not only do they have the advantage in that they played so many more hours, but they have better gear than you from yeah. the get-go. And that's a thing that is like a problem that's totally eliminated in a in a game like this, in a in a battle royale game. You could also argue that it helps to bridge um high differentials and skill gap by adding in a lot of random chance. Yeah, exactly. This is not always something that's beneficial. Yeah, well it makes the game more interesting for players to play because there's no guarantee for success. If you jump into the game, you're kind of, I mean, besides your raw aiming skill and your your intuition and your awareness of, of your environment, like from a, an equipment point of view, 
you are on the same level as everybody else at the start of the game. Now, there's some decisions you make, of course, by yeah. where am I dropping? Exactly. But that's, that's, of course, a tactical decision. Well, this is what I was going to say, is that with greater skill, you can actually make more out of less yeah. with better decision making. So when you're a better player, it's not necessarily about having the better gun. It's about being able to make use of your environment, being able to bait teams into fighting each other, and then you just clean up the survivors and things like that. It's a combination of everything, really. Yeah. And that's what makes the game so interesting, I think. Yeah, exactly. When you're when you're a better player, it's not that you're a better player and you also have, you know, the super duper machine gun and you just waste everybody, um, yeah. which is not really very much fun for anyone else. Um, it does mean that there's a differential. You can be a very skillful player and lose because you're in a bad situation, but we've already talked about that. If you yeah. get knocked out really, really quickly because of just random chance or bad yeah. luck, you don't you're have out. to spend 45 yeah. minutes sucking for the rest of the game. No, you're out of the game. You can go on and play the next one. Exactly. So after PUBG... I think I would just want to say, I guess Fortnite really popularized the genre. It it was a free-to-play entry. So you have two major advantages over PUBG from, from you know the Fortnite perspective. And that is, first, it runs a lot better on yeah. all hardware. It just PUBG is a garbage fire, really. Someone somewhere is listening to this podcast who works on PUBG, and they're crying right now. <laughs> they're crying, yeah. They're crying. I mean... But to be fair, it is a garbage fire. It's, it's a garbage <laughs> fire. The PC version is a garbage fire. The mobile version runs better than the PC game. Uh, that's how bad that game is. But anyway, wow. So Fortnite ran, uh, Fortnite released, uh, and they, it's also free to play. So they have a massive influx of uh, nine-year-olds who come and play the game. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, everybody loved no, that but, game. No, but really, you're you're not joking though, because it, it approaches a, a younger audience much more effectively because of the cartoony style, the third-person perspective. Well, yeah, it's not just it's not just the cartoony style. It's also the fact that it's totally free to play. You know, if you want a younger audience to play your game, you cannot charge up front because young kids don't have credit cards. And if you have a fair monetization model that keeps the player base engaged, because you can have a bunch of 10-year-olds try your game, but you know, if your game kind of expects you to pull out a credit card, it's not gonna work. So they made the core gameplay loop so good and then basically designed, you know, the battle pass system, which I think is really smart. That was a really excellent approach to monetization because you can, as a kid, you can tell your parents, look, it's a fun game, I can play it for free, but for like 10 bucks, I can get a hell of a lot more as long as I consistently play the game. And guess what? I'm playing this game a lot. So, uh, you know, this is good value for me as opposed to I can buy one skin for that price, you know? So, And it also takes away the parents' question, if we buy it, are you going to play it? Yeah, exactly. Which is a, a bit of an issue. So, yeah. So, you know, explosive popularity, Fortnite. But Fortnite is not the same kind of game as PUBG is because... The biggest differentiator there is that you can build buildings, right? There's this construction uh, and creative aspect to the game as well. Now, I played a little bit of Fortnite. We had a little phase where we played a few days of Fortnite. Um, I mean, not full days of Fortnite. I mean, there were a few days that we played a few matches. Yeah, I we thought didn't it play was... it for, for a fortnight, like no, for no, two no. weeks. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't love it. I thought the gameplay was solid, performance, you know, much better, of course. But the building aspect wasn't for me. 
Yeah, I felt like the building aspect was a lot of fun, but what I would have wanted to see there is is more of an emphasis on you you need to build build a base for a reason. Whereas what actually ended up happening in in practice was that people were just throwing up walls in order to cover themselves against yeah. gunfire and things like that. And that that kind of made it a little bit janky for me. And also the the gunplay for me was very janky. Yeah, that was that was just me. Yes. So I would say those are the complaints that I had as well. But all in all, I mean. A lot of people are playing this game. A lot of people are enjoying it. So really, we oh, it's a solid fun game. It's a sure. solid fun game. So and the the degree of polish and also like the network stability and things like that. I mean, Epic. We've talked about this before. Yes. They're a great technology company. They could definitely support that. They got it a, to run on yeah. smartphones. Uh, you can even run it Absolutely. on budget Android phones nowadays. Like that's a testament to your engineering. The 100%. end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, the user interface was super easy. I mean, the whole thing was really, really pretty straightforward. Um, it had some some elements that were maybe very slightly clunky, but it was definitely a lot cleaner than PUBG. It ran a lot better, blah, 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 right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. So, you know, coming out of that game, I thought, man, you know, I would probably like a Battle Royale game if it had, if it was a little bit more serious and if it didn't have the building component. Yeah. See, I remember having I this thinking. conversation with you and our, our mutual friend, Mr. Jeers, as well. And I remember saying... I like the idea of Battle Royale. I like the shrinking arena. I like the big open map where you get to choose where you start. The scavenging mechanics for me are not a major detractor, but it feels really, really swingy whether you get decent equipment or not. And I didn't like that. It feels really, really janky that you're constantly trying to throw up buildings all over the place during a firefight. The the gunplay wasn't for me. So it just kind of felt like I, I like the idea of Battle Royale, but I, I want a cleaner, crisper, faster, more decision-oriented, less chance-oriented experience. Yes. And I remember talking about games like Escape from Tarkov, where you can choose your loadout, but you lose the loadout if you die. So there's a kind of risk and reward thing. But then Escape from Tarkov never really took off. Um, and then, lo and behold, there was Apex. Yeah, so one of the things that I remember saying is that I said, you know, the the building component is not what I liked. Prior to Apex, there was actually a very brief moment where I was considering getting the new Call of Duty because it added a supposedly really good Battle Royale mode as well. Well, see, that was it, though, wasn't it? Because it was Battle Royale with really tried and tested shooter mechanics. Yes. It was the excellent shooter experience just with the Battle Royale gameplay mode, essentially. And that's really what I think a lot of people were probably waiting for with PUBG. But PUBG was just a little bit too clunky Yeah. in too many ways. So Call of Duty Black Ops 4's Blackout mode, I think is what it's called, the Battle Royale mode, kind of delivered on that. But the reason why I didn't get that game is, well, first and foremost, the price tag. Like, I would not have been opposed to paying 20 bucks maybe for it, but to buy a whole Call of Duty game that doesn't have a single-player campaign, because that was the first Call of Duty game with no single-player campaign that they released, um... You know, it. I was I was thinking about it, and I said, you know, Call of Duty games have kind of let me down in the last few years. Um, I played the multiplayer for a very short period of time. They release DLC. The player base shrinks due to you know the DLC kind of limiting the player base. I I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, and also, I knew 
that ever since, you know, I want to say advanced warfare, that Activision has been, you know, tuning their microtransactions in, in the, you know, in the shops and, you know, prominently featuring stuff. I remember that, um, they joked, I think it was, um, a bunch of people on YouTube were laughing the fact that in, in, in Black Ops 4, they're now selling red dot site. Yeah, you can buy red dot sites. Um, what the hell? Why? Why is that not just a thing in the game? I think it's skins for your red dot site for uh, on the shop. So basically, like they they turn the microtransactions all the way up a few months into the game, and um, you know that made me really happy that I didn't buy that game. And then Apex Legends indeed shadow dropped, and it's a free to play game. So I was like, oh, it's a free to play game that potentially could mean that that. It's not good because it's a game released or published by EA. It's free to play, okay. And it's a battle battle royale. Yeah, but what a way to demonstrate that you want to stand out from the crowd. You're just like, okay, look, here's the game, guys. Judge it for yeah. yourselves. You know? That's and right. And when you're when you're ready to stand behind it to that degree, I'm I'm really impressed. I have to yes, say. I was impressed too. The way they went about releasing their game was brilliant. So they avoided bad marketing by just putting it out there. They had a solid lineup of partnered streamers. So when they announced the game, it was on a stream. After that stream concluded, I think it was a fairly short stream, all of the big streamers, all of them, were playing Apex for like a solid few hours. And then their partnership ended. So, you know, when you do a partnership, you have to uh, put it in your stream that you're currently partnered or you know doing a partnered stream with a specific company yeah it's like a sponsorship disclaimer kind of thing yeah yeah when that partnership was over they were still playing apex legends but the little message wasn't up anymore so they were kind of they, they were making their own decision to stream the game some more because it was getting really rave reviews you know people were getting into the game and really enjoying it so boom you know tons of streamers yeah. are playing it popularity explodes and all of a sudden you know people are playing it and honestly, do you know, I kind of feel like if, ah, uh, what's it called again? Lawbreakers had made a decision like this? Yes. It would have been better. Yeah. It probably would have been better. They, sh they should never have made that game paid up front. No. <laughs> I'm going to go as far as to say they should never have made that game full stop. Really, <laughs> at the end of the day. I never um, played it. I know there's well, people who said that it was really good, but I, uh, yeah, from was, what I it heard. It was okay. It was yeah. okay, but it just didn't have the wow factor. It felt like it was trying to be so hard, yeah. trying to be the twisted love child of Unreal Tournament and Overwatch. So it, it failed horribly. But Apex, yeah, we're going to have to talk about the game experience because there's so many things in this game that just scream... We have the experience, we love making games, and we love giving people the smoothest and nicest and best gameplay experience possible. And there's all these little touches, all of them, all over the game. Yeah. I think, in fact, if we went back and looked at all the criticisms that we've ever made of any Battle Royale game, they've all been answered in Apex. Yeah, I would say so most I, yeah, I would say so most of them have been answered. So, yeah, in in a little over a week and a half, 25 million players have played Apex Legends, which is insane. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, it's a free-to-play game. 
so the barrier to entry is much lower. But that that's crazy numbers, right? Yeah, I feel like there's a beginning of a formula here. So let's really let's break down why this stands out from the other battle royale games. Firstly, let's talk about how it's the same. It's a typical battle royale game in the sense that a it's a shooter. Right? Yes. In this case, it's first person. I don't think it would have to be first person necessarily. Obviously, Fortnite was third. It doesn't really yes. matter. And PUBG, you could switch. Yes. Yeah. So it's a shooter, right? Mm -hmm. It does have a strong emphasis on the arena. This huge map with a shrinking circle. Yep. That forces players into a smaller and smaller zone, forces them into conflict with one another, and operates on an elimination basis. Yes. When you die, you don't get another life. You're kicked out of the game. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you lost, really, in a sense, because you just get to start up another game that much sooner, which means that you get to start over and over and over again. If you're bad at the game, okay, you're never going to have the prestige of getting to the final group. But, you know... At least you're not sitting there losing for 40 minutes or something. And you can play it how you want. You can drop in an isolated part of the map and just creep around, or you can drop right into the, the crazy melee and just fight it out and see who survives, right? So depending on your mood, you can do that. That's great. It also has a scavenger-based equipment system, Yeah. which is to say that you land in the environment in a given area. There are random pieces of equipment lying around. You have to go out and find them. You pick them up, and that's the gear that you get to use. You don't get to choose your loadouts in advance. You don't get to build up a, a skill build or an ability build or a, an equipment build or anything like that. Just it's purely based on what you find. There's no development. You just pick it up and use it. And you have a limited, somewhat stripped down inventory system in order to facilitate that. So that as you go along, you can pick up better equipment and throw out the trash that you don't want anymore. What else makes it a, a typical battle royale? Lots, lots of players, of course. Squad-based gameplay. Now, that's not something that's intrinsic to every battle royale. Um, I would say that it exists in most of them. So it's a smaller player group, and it also has somewhat smaller squad sizes because you're only doing three people in a squad. I believe PUBG did four. And it's exclusively squad-based, so there's no solo play like there is in Fortnite and in PUBG. Yep. So that also kind of cleans up some of the weirdness. If you were playing on your own, of course, you really have to watch your butt. Now you always have at least one or two people that you can... But it's at least one less person you have to watch for shooting at you, at the very least. Yeah. And there's no friendly fire. So it, it takes some of the gameplay elements from other games. And this is where it really begins to stand out. Because in, in pretty much every aspect of the experience, there's some added element, some twist, some little bit of polish. So one of the major problems that you had in other Battle Royale games, as you've written down here, is communication. Yes. So the first thing that they've, they've really cleaned up here is the ability to communicate quickly and efficiently what is where, what you need to do, where you're going, what you're doing there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they've done this in a really dynamic way with a ping system, which is to say that you, you aim at a point in the world, you press a button, and a little icon will appear there at that location that is visible to the other players in your team. It's just a piece of the overlay. It's just a piece of the interface. So it's not like you send out a flare or something that's visible to your enemies, but you just, you can mark a location and you can do this in multiple different ways with a simple radial menu or a pie menu, depending on what you call it. And depending on the, on the different direction that you select, or you can hotkey it, you know, however you want to do it, you can indicate, okay, there's enemies over there, or I'm going to loot over there, or we're going to go over there or whatever. It's very smart because there's two things that make it really stand out. So first is the way you can ping things. Like you said, there's the radio menu, but also if you just point at something, 
the game will automatically use the correct callout. So if you're pointing at an enemy and using the ping and you just tap on the ping, it will ping, there's an enemy. If you ping at an unopened crate, it will ping, there's loot here. If you ping at a location that is just a location, it will ping, I'm going over here. So it's quick. Now you can specify if you actually mean an other action, but it's really quick. And the other thing that really makes it stand out is that there's audio cues. So not only do you see it visually, but there's callouts from your own character that you're playing that your teammates can hear. So if you ping an enemy, your enemies hear, there's an enemy there. If you ping loot, your, your allies will hear, there's loot here. Yeah. That's very helpful. It also means that you don't have to be constantly looking at tiny little tags that are hovering around the perimeter of your screen. You can just yes. hear it. And then if you, if you care, you can look at where it is, or if you don't care, you can ignore it. Yes, which also you, means that you eliminate a lot of visual busyness because you don't need to draw someone's attention only visually. And as a teammate, you can confirm a ping that another player has made. And then you'll be like, copy that or confirmed or, you know, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Which is helpful so, because it means you can communicate with people who don't have mics and still know that they've seen the enemy you've pointed out. Yeah. Or it's actually that they very, know where you'll be going. It's very overwatchy in the way that it works. So if you've played Overwatch and you've, for example, said, we need to get to the objective, right? It's, it works exactly the same way. It's just that instead <laughs> yeah. of the objective being a fixed marker that's always yeah. there, you can place a marker anywhere and someone can aim at that and go confirmed. Yeah, to compare it to Overwatch kind of does it a disservice because Overwatch really has only one kind of ping and you can only ping the objective. You can also say hello. Yeah, you have a mic. I'm just so. I'm just throwing that out there, man. Like saying yes. hello is, is probably yeah. super super you exciting. Can, you, you can you can put some decals on the wall. Yeah, defo, man. We've we've had so much fun with tea time. But anyway. Yes. So another advantage that the game has is that it's team based only. One of the problems that I had with PUBG and, and Fortnite is that if you play solo, it can be quite a frustrating experience. Yes. The way they've designed this game with the different types of legends, which is basically the hero style approach. We'll cover that later. Mm -hmm. It means can we, that- Can we just agree now that we're just going to call them characters? Yeah, we're going to call them characters or heroes or something like that. Yes. But in the game, they're, they're referred to as legends, Le hence the name yeah. Apex Legends. Yeah. That's right. So because there's team play, um, it makes sense for them to have these heroes slash characters with different abilities because then you kind of have a little bit of interplay. Yeah. If you're thrown out there in this uh, battle royale game by yourself, it can prove to be frustrating because if you're not very experienced and you don't know much about the surroundings, you can get caught by surprise very easily. Whereas if you're dropping with friends, you know, you have your friends you can rely on. You have two extra sets of eyes that are looking at everything. So, you know, it's harder to, to cat, you know, to basically trap an entire team and get them catch them off guard yeah i would i would even go a step further it actually creates opportunity for a lot more in the way of cooperative building if you could play solo there would be an awful lot of players who were just very very skillful shooters and they would play one or two characters that are just really really good if you're on your own and that would be a huge impact and i would say personally a detriment to the meta because what that's going to create is the the silent stalker gameplay style where someone's just going to sit in a corner, snipe everybody, and they're going to have the character that can, I don't know, know if they're getting aimed at or go invisible and, and run away from you. 
right? So, I mean, that's that's always going to be a, a huge part of the meta that you don't have to worry about. So because they've got this, this team-based approach, it opens up the opportunity for you have a tank, you have a DPS, and you have a support or yeah. something like that. And it synergizes really well with the ping system because you can call out things really easily as a team now. So Yeah. So all of these systems are kind of interdependent. You only play as a team, but that team play is very, very smooth, even if you're, you're not relying on people having mics. So I, I really think, yeah, they've, they've, done, they've covered every aspect of the, of the system here. This is where I want to point out one of the delightful things in the game mm -hmm. that you're going to encounter as soon as you start playing. The first thing you'll note is that there's a drop master in the game. That addition on its own is genius, in my opinion, because when you play a battle royale game like, you know, PUBG or Fortnite, you jump out of a plane or a battle bus, which is just a bus that's flying in the sky, and you drop down and you parachute down or glide down. In this game, it works the same way. You glide down, but you jump as a team. So there's one person who is the jump master, and this is the person who decides when you'll be jumping from this plane down to the map. Yeah, so so no more no more manual coordination. And again, it emphasizes the fact that you're not reliant on people having mics to communicate. That's right. So where, you know, it could happen in previous games that, you know, me and the other guy have already jumped and you just, oh, I didn't realize you jumped already. Oh, I'm behind, you know, and then everything is screwed up because you didn't coordinate your jumps well. Well, sure. that's fixed in this game, or at least solved. You can jump by yourself. You can go yeah. solo if you want to. It's still an option. Yeah, you can, you can separate. So you're not forced. You're not forced to stick together all the time, but it makes stuff way easier. Yeah, way easier to coordinate. Plus, it's worth mentioning that the ping system actually works while you're in the, the dropship. Yeah, yeah. Right? so you can coordinate so, yeah, where you so, want to drop together. Yeah, you can ping on different parts of the map, and that confirmation system also works. So I can ping a location, and somebody else can ping another location, and then I'll ping on their location and say confirmed. So it actually works really, really well. Yeah, so I've played a few games with Total Strangers, and it's so much nicer to have that system. Plus, you know, I feel like it eliminates a lot of the, the toxic atmosphere because everybody works in a team. Like, okay, you know, you still have room for toxicity where people say, oh, you know, you're so crap, you know, blah, blah, blah. How could you screw that up? How come you keep sure. dying? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it's not like Overwatch where you can end up getting stuck in a team with people you don't no. like and you have to mm -hmm. leave the queue in order to get a new team. In this one, you're, you're constantly changing teams, like all That's the time. Right. Yeah. So the ability to, to learn from your mistakes... If you're with a player you don't like, you're not going to be with them forever. That's it. Of course, you can play with your own party of three players, obviously. But yeah. if you're playing with random people, you're going to be basically, you know, finding yourself in a rotation. And uh, sometimes, you know, you find people who are really good at communicating and, you know, pe people who do use the mic. And, you know, I've added a few people already on Origin who, you know, proved to be good communicators. And, you know, if you call out, really well if you either use the ping system because you can totally win by just using the ping system and not communicating over the mic at all because the system is that good but you know it's communication is very much key in a game like this it's going to be the difference between you winning and losing maybe not at the start but at the end if you really want to win if you want to be the last team alive you're going to need to communicate and either the ping system or voiceover uh IP basically so talking to each other over the mics 
is going to really facilitate that. And the way everything works together to make team play easier is just brilliant. Yep, 100%. Um, so probably moving on from there, like we've yes. talked about team play and various other things. Like obviously you have this communication, you have the different heroes and you can build your team. Yeah. But then of course it is a battle royale game. We have yep. to talk about map design. That's that's right. So the guys at Respawn are also the guys who worked on Modern Warfare. Yeah. You know, Call and you mentioned Duty. before, yeah, like a lot of the maps in these games, of course, achieved legendary status for things like gameplay style, balance, and various other things. And the same kind of smart map design can be seen here. There's a few, shall we call them hot spots, where a lot of people will usually drop, where there's rare loot, and there's effectively barriers between these hot zones in the form of mountains and rivers, and they kind of neatly separate yeah. smaller subsections of the map. So these are effectively, they're, they're little mini, or they're fairly big actually, but they're almost like a typical multiplayer map. That's right. So it's like a bunch of smaller multiplayer maps just glued together, but the way that they join also has an impact on how the maps play. So it's effectively, you could call it like an arena style, which is really, yeah. really good. So when you start to play the game, there's actually the potential that you'll end up in something similar to a Call of Duty map with, you know, the typical amount of players you'd expect on a Call of Duty map. But it's one continuous set of maps that you'll be traversing to get to the end of your objective, which is to survive as the last team. So there's two other things you want to bring up when it comes to map design, specifically, you know, what you can find on the map. And there's kind of two mechanics that they've added to the game that really facilitate movement and traversal of these bigger areas to make it so that you can move quickly to another section of the map once the circles start shrinking. Mm -hmm. There's zip lines that you can use. You can hop onto them and zip all over, you know, all over the place. Yeah, so and you can see these very clearly. So they're, they're these gigantic yellow ropes mm -hmm. essentially that go from A to B. So you can, you can very, very easily see where they are. You can locate them without any issues. You just jump on and you go along them really, really fast. So it means that you don't have to play the super mobile character in order to get around quickly. And there this isn't is a, any such character well, in the there, game. Well, there are definitely Everybody, characters that are more mobile than others. No, all characters actually have the same movement speed. Uh, yeah, but I'm talking about uh, characters that have abilities which allow them yes. to, to move at accelerated slightly, rates. Yeah, slightly faster. That's right. But for the most part, you're on a level playing field, I'd say. Sure. Um, in terms of like macro mobility, but in terms yes. of just getting around the environment, there are definitely characters that have an edge over others. Which yeah, is, sure. I mean, that's that's part of the, the character design is yeah, you're yeah, going to yeah. create some that have tactical advantages, some that have combat advantages and so on. And that's fine. Um, but with the use of the zip lines, it definitely means that you can get from A to B much faster. It means there's no character that can always get up cliffs and other characters just can't. No, there, yeah, there are routes right. that everyone can follow. It keeps the game really balanced. It means that uh, high ground is accessible to everyone, which is a, a crucial part of balance. Uh -huh. um, there are some characters that might have an edge there, but it's not going to be ridiculous. Yep. And then, of course, there's another mechanic, which is kind of interesting, called balloons. Now, this is where you essentially jump on a zip line that goes straight up in the air, suspended by a balloon. And once yeah. you hit the top, you kind of get fired off in a direction of your choosing, and you can re-enter the gliding state that you're in at the start of the game when you drop from the, uh, the dropship. So this is really cool because it allows you very open 
movement. You can literally go anywhere you want in any direction, pretty much any distance at an accelerated speed. But people can see you because you leave a streamer behind you. So it doesn't, it's not imbalanced that you can just show up on top of people. They have no way of knowing you're coming. Yeah. And on top of that, you get rid of all the, the janky environmental troublesome aspects of things like vehicles. As you see on PUBG, you jump in vehicles, you drive around, but the vehicles can explode, various other things. If you're hiding behind a vehicle, you have cover, but again, it can be detonated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Weirdness can happen with vehicles, like you're extremely visible. The balloons are a very, very streamlined, almost jump pad style solution to that, which works really, really well. Yep, that's right. So on top of that, I really feel like there's another aspect that we need to talk about because this is all about scavenging and equipment and things like that. One of the problems that I had with Battle Royale games in general was the use of items. I'm going to call this um, equipment streamlining. So in PUBG in particular, seeing loot on the ground was a pain in the butt. Picking it up and putting it in your inventory, taking things out of your inventory was also a pain in the butt. This is also very quick, very streamlined. You literally hit an inventory menu. You have a few slots. You just drag something out of a slot to the edge of the screen in order to drop it. It's almost like like moving your apps around on your mobile phone where you know if you drag it to the edge of the screen, it goes onto the next screen quite naturally. It feels very intuitive. It's very quick. The slots are nice and big, so you know button management is not difficult. Stacks are very straightforward, so you can carry this much of this thing and this much of this thing, and so on and so forth. It's it's very very streamlined. Um, you have a couple of different weapons. Seeing things on the ground is super easy. It's almost like Borderlands in the way that things on the ground stand out with like you know lit up effects. The rarity is indicated by the color. Very very straightforward. And there's also things like loot containers. So you can walk up to this giant box that is literally the size of a coffin. Yeah, now that you mention it, it does feel very Borderlands-y, yeah. Yeah, so when you see one of those boxes, you know there's going to be a bunch of items in there. Of course, that also means that people can watch those boxes if they haven't been opened already with a sniper rifle sitting there waiting for somebody to come along and open them. But the cool thing about this is that it is a risk and reward. It's very easy, very quick to access equipment. Because you can find the equipment in abundance more quickly and more easily, you have much less of the issue that I had in PUBG where you're just running around and if you've been through an area that's already been looted, you just can't find anything. Yeah. And sometimes you're running around, you don't have a gun for a long time and it's a pain in the butt, right? So you, I just did not ever feel like I had that issue in this game. Yeah. So really, really nice. I just thought of something else that I wanted to mention when it came to the map design, by the way. Um, when it came to movement, you can also slide. Yes. So again, this is another aspect of movement that helps mobility streamlining, but also, well, there's a lot of aspects really. Go ahead. So the map design is also vertical in nature. You know, obviously you've got the zip lines and the balloons, but there's, you know, an overall sense of elevation in that there's slopes that you can slide down, um, which increases, of course, your movement speed over just running, which means you can kind of dodge fire if you're sliding down uh, a slope. So for anybody who wants to know what this feels like, it's um, very Bulletstorm, actually. It reminds me very yep. much of that. And it just is just really good. So you have kind of three major modes of transportation or movement that are faster than just running. So sliding, ziplining, and flying after using a balloon really can get you to another place really quickly. It's also worth saying that Sliding is something that is effective. You can, if you sprint, you can also slide a short distance uphill 
or on level ground, you can slide a decent distance. And I think sliding is actually one of the single most important additions that they've made to the game, because in any in any battle royale type game, you will often have these large open environments in between the denser, uh, more tangled spaces of towns, of shanties, of little you know containers and warehouses and things like that. You need to have open spaces so that the longer range weapons are relevant. You need to have the closed spaces so that camping is a viable tactic if you want to do that. Playing defensively in the late stages is, is viable. But in other Battle Royale games, movement across these open spaces is very problematic. In Fortnite, you can cover this to a degree by building, but we've discussed how that can be a little bit of an awkward, unreliable, weird mechanic yeah, building in, in Fortnite, I think, is uh, something you really have to work on. It's a skill you got to learn, whereas in Apex, sliding you, you and just stuff, slide. it comes natural. Yeah, it feels very, very natural for anyone. In fact, you could even play Warframe, where you slide around a lot and you do like the slide jumps and things like that. Having gone from Warframe to Apex, it feels very natural to me. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing about this, not only is it faster to cover those open environments, but you're effectively moving faster in a crouch, which means that you're not running in a straight line with your head just exposed on yeah. a wire and you <laughs> just get sniped in the head, basically. Like, and that's something that's been a problem in a lot of, a lot of uh, battle royale games. So the fact that you're periodically sprinting and of course your opponent doesn't know when you're going to sprint uh, and slide. Yeah. It means that you don't just get nailed out in the open whenever you're out in the open which That's is a right. huge addition to the game. If you're also if you also if you're sliding, there's two big benefits in addition to that is one you're not running, so it means you can use equipment while you're sliding down a mountain slope. And the other advantage is that you basically maintain momentum. So you can use that momentum to keep sliding or to to get onto a zipline with that momentum and, you know, use the zipline faster. It's it's pretty cool. Absolutely. There's also um, an advanced, uh, I guess you'd call it like a ledge system. So you can grab a ledge that's about chest height and climb up onto it. This feels very natural. I, I, I don't know about anybody else, of course, but when I'm playing a game and my, my ability to get on top of something is purely limited to whatever is the height of my knees, it just feels weird. Um, so the fact that you can jump up and grab onto a ledge that's chest height or eye level and climb up on top of it, and there's even a slight addition to that where if you run at a at a wall, say, and you hold down the space bar, which is the, the default jump key, you will actually be able to run a short distance up the wall as though you'd taken a running start, planted your foot, and then used that momentum to propel yourself upwards. And then you can grab onto the ledge and push yourself upwards. So the the high degree of, of verticality, which controls line of sight, of course, it controls elevation advantage and various other things, is accessible again. So you have the sliding to get you across wide open spaces, and you have the, I guess you'd call it wall running and mantling. Um, yeah, there's no real wall running in the game like there was in Titanfall 2, which yeah. had actual wall running. Yeah. This is more of a uh, wall scaling, I guess. Yeah. So it's approach. not it's not Prince of Persia, just to be clear, but... Um, the fact that you can kind of super jump, if you will, up to a ledge and climb up onto it makes the verticality, again, much more accessible. So it's really just absolutely solid in terms of how you get around the environment. And the, the environment itself is also very well designed. Yeah, and that is so important. 
Because if movement feels clunky, then you're gonna, you know, you can blame the game's controls as to why you're not winning or not having fun. Whereas if you can move around freely, then the game is not about just mastering controls. It's about you making the right decisions. Yes. And this is really what it comes down to. I mean, I I started playing the game, what, just a couple of days ago. I've been really busy at work, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to play a lot of matches. But in all the matches that we've played, I think I would say in, in 80%, we've been in the top two. But a lot of the time, the reason for that was actually that we made good tactical decisions or good strategic decisions. We chose our environment well. We avoided fights where it wasn't necessary or where we felt we were going to get sandwiched between two teams. And because of your ability to navigate the environment effectively, because the environment is designed so that you can avoid line of sight in a lot of situations if you want to, you can force a fight onto your terms if you make the right decisions. And it's not just about where you choose to go in this little shantytown. It's about how you navigate the macro game. And that's it makes a huge difference because of the decision-making emphasis. I actually found that a lot of my my game sense from MOBA games, which have much bigger maps, relatively speaking, was actually coming into play. Where I, I kind of figured, okay, if people are in this area, they're likely to be here because that's where the loot is. That's on the high ground. So if we choose the lowest possible ground, we can actually break line of sight by just going through a valley. And so it was, it was really, really nice. This is one of the things that really I thought was potentially very fun about PUBG and Fortnite, but n that I never really felt was executed the way I would have loved to have seen it. And it is here in this game. It yes. feels so good. Mm -hmm. I'd also say that uh, in Fortnite, there was a definite strength and weakness in the destructible environment. Here, they've chosen not to go with a destructible environment, but because of your ability to navigate and move around effectively they've struck a really nice middle ground. Moving moving is fun, traversing long distances is quick, and it's more about how you approach, where you approach, and how you attack a situation that that can can change things. And I think that actually leads us naturally into the the final aspect. We talked about the fact that it's team-based and you can select various heroes in order to build on each other's strengths and weaknesses, and I really wanted to break that down in more detail. So there's something really, really nice in this game about the gunplay versus the ability play and it's the, the relative emphasis on those two. Yeah. You may remember last time we recorded, we talked about anthems, balance between abilities and gunplay. And we said that it was kind of skewed towards abilities being more fun to use than gunplay. This game is very balanced in that regard, right? Yeah. And in fact, it's balanced in such a way that I would almost say the two overlap in many degrees. So you can make up for slightly worse gunplay with slightly better ability play and vice versa. Yeah, they're supplementary, really. Yeah, they're, they're supplementary, but they're also complementary. Um, yeah. Which is, is very, very interesting. And the way that you overlap these, of course, depends on the hero that you choose as well, which is really cool. Yeah, we freaking love this game, guys. I mean... It's obvious, it's, right? It's good. It's solid. I mean, I can't, I can't honestly say that there's anything about it that's, that's really bad. But uh, breaking this down just into a little more detail, mm -hmm, the gunplay yeah. is very crisp. It feels really good. I mean, it feels it's, it's right up there with Destiny in terms of like minute-to-minute -minute gunplay. It's right up there with Call of Duty in terms of how it feels. 
Kill time is a little bit longer than Call of Duty, of course, because you do have things like shields and what have you. Um, so it's maybe a little bit more in the scale of Unreal Tournament in terms of kill time. Um, but that's only when you have shields and things like that. So in the early stages of the game, it's very easy to get knocked out. Like a lot of people will get knocked out very quickly because they don't have shields, they don't have armor, they don't have helmets and things like that yet. Um, but the gunplay feels very crisp. It's very responsive. It's very precise. Reloads are not too long. Accuracy is generally good. Weapons do a good amount of damage without feeling unfair or overpowered. Different range weapons are nicely balanced. You have bullet drop over longer distances, so snipers are not just god weapons in an open space. Even things like an LMG don't become overpowered because they just have ridiculously big magazines. They have a kind of spin-up mechanic where they, they need to shoot for a while before they reach their really extreme rate of fire. So the, the gun gameplay is absolutely solid. And if I had to say how much of a percentage of any combat is about the gunplay, I could probably say up to 75%. And that's where it gets interesting, because if I also had to say, what about abilities? A lot of the abilities, I feel some of the abilities do need some tweaking and balancing still, but they've definitely definitely taken the right choice where they haven't made the abilities overpowered. They've They've erred on the side of making the abilities fair as opposed to overpowered so for example you can throw out a shield dome type ability with one of the characters like uh, like winston's bubble but you can throw it a short distance um, if anybody remembers winston of course from overwatch um, they'll know his bubble but you can throw the the shield projector if you want to call it that a short distance so you have more flexibility with it but the animation on it to place it is a little bit longer and you can't shoot through your own shield dome which means that it's not an unfair advantage where you just throw it towards somebody and then they can't shoot anything. Um, you kind of you have to deal with the pros and cons of that. But the thing is, if you use that ability in a really, really clutch situation, like somebody, for example, is reloading, you shoot at them while they're reloading and then you throw a shield dome in order to cover your own reload, they waste some of their ammo and you can end up winning that fight because you've used it at the correct moment. That can literally win you a fight. So the ability play can actually come down to making probably a 75% difference as well, depending on the hero you play and how you play them. So it's really interesting, I think, at, in any given scenario, abilities or gunplay can be more effective depending on which you employ more effectively, but they both feel fair, they feel balanced, and they feel really responsive and also effective, which I think is, is fantastic. For a game to be released and already have this level of polish is exceptional. Truly. Yeah, the fact that they released this game like over a, a week and a half ago and that it was that polished at launch, I mean, it's exceptional because we get a lot of games that feel unfinished or feel like they could have had more development time to make the game better. But this game very much feels like a, a battle-tested game already at launch, which is yeah, really. exceptional. Now, you could say that the character roster could be bigger, right? Yeah, you could I was about say, to say that the same, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe there, an extra map would be nice, but there's so much emergent gameplay in this game with the kind of the ingredients that are in the game today that it kind of makes a lot of sense for them to have released it the way that, you know, in the state that it has released in. It is by far the most impressive free-to-play game I've ever played in terms of polish and performance and gameplay. And I expect it will do very well in the future uh, because there's a lot of cool stuff in the works. I just wanna say 
that the communication that the team is undertaking is just, it's excellent. They're, you know, we're, we're getting extensive patch notes when patches drop. We're, you know, getting constant feedback from the developers who are saying, oh, we know about these issues. We're going to try to fix them. People from the development team saying, okay, after the first day, they were like, yeah, we've, we've had 2 million people try the game. Thank you for playing. And then a week later, it was 10 million people. And then, you know, another half a week later, it was 25 million, you know, people. And we're being informed of all of this. The developers are very active on the subreddit. Uh, they're, they're listening to player feedback. They're looking at the stats to balance stuff. It is, it must have been an unreal experience for those developers too, because you, you never know how a game is going to perform in the grand scheme of things when you release it. And for the game to explode in such a way, you know, they went from... I really feel, though, this this game this game does for Battle Royale what Overwatch did to first-person shooters several years ago, really. I think this is this has kind of been the game that the industry has been waiting for. So, I, I'm, and I, I mean that very seriously. It just, it has everything that it needs to. And as you said, like, the character roster could be bigger. You could have more maps blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it's more important to have one map that's really good and a few characters that play really, really well and are well-balanced than it is to have a huge roster of unbalanced heroes because at that point, you're only ever going to play the best ones anyway. So, you know, you might as well just have fewer that work better. They've really made the right decisions in the right areas. They've covered all the mistakes that previous games have made. Cannot recommend it enough. Like, honestly, it's, it's an excellent game. If you haven't played it, go and check it out 100%. Yeah. And if you like uh, Fortnite a lot, you should definitely give this a shot and go in, of course, knowing that the building aspect is, is not present in the game. And it kind of changes the dynamics of the game quite a bit, which I think is cool. I think both Fortnite and this game, Apex Legends, have a very big sense of polish to the game. Epic Games have done, a, like you said before, an, an excellent job at optimizing everything, making sure it runs really smooth on all platforms. And you know, it, it's overall a very fun game, but it wasn't for me. I think a lot of people are gonna end up digging this game more perhaps because it it feels less like a, cob like a I guess like a cobbled together game because Fortnite still started from that cooperative base defense, um, shall I say core formula that they then adapted to make into a battle royale game. Yeah, sure, of course. Whereas, of course, yeah, this game did start as Titanfall 3 and gradually evolved into a game, but I get the feeling that it evolved into a battle royale game much earlier into the dev cycle, uh, whereas, you know, Fortnite was turned into a battle royale game after its initial cooperative mode launched, you know? there We've, ne we've never seen what Titanfall 3 was supposed to be. We just got this game. To be fair, I also think that the, the basic formula of the game, which was a, a soft ability shooter, lends itself much more readily to the Battle Royale genre than the original version of Fortnite anyway. So, yeah, really, yeah, it's just, it's just great. So anyway, we've talked, we've talked a huge amount about the game, how it plays, what's in there, what you can expect playing it. Now time to get down to the nitty gritty, because obviously everybody cares a little bit about, you know, how they're actually going to end up paying for this game because, okay, it's free to play, but, you know, it's not unfair for people to expect to make a buck <laughs> for their effort. So um, That's right. You're listening to XP Gains. Our first episode was a monetization special. Yeah. Obviously, mm -hmm. we got to talk about monetization in this game. 
100%. So there's a lot of different ways you can spend money on this game. There's effectively going to be, starting next month, a battle pass in the same way that a battle pass exists in Fortnite, which I think is a good move. So just just for anybody who hasn't heard about this, if you were to buy the battle pass, what would you get out of it? You would get certain rewards as you progress through the game. So what that means is you buy the pass for a fixed price. I don't think we know any prices, but I expect it to be priced, you know, somewhat similarly to Fortnite, uh, to Fortnite's uh, battle pass, I mean. So what you get is every time you level up, every time you play a game, etc., at certain intervals, at certain objectives, like play three games, you get rewards. So you get skins, you get uh, exclusive weapon skins, character skins, stuff like that. Maybe crafting materials you can use. Uh, and you get all of that stuff because you bought the battle pass. So it's effectively a way to spice up your kind of the, the, the rewards that you get from playing the game. And it's a very low price. It's a seasonal thing though. So you buy into a into a pass and that lasts for the duration of a certain period of time. So when that event ends, you need to pay again, right? That's the way it works in Fortnite. But of course, it's it's effectively an opt-in, opt-out subscription, which gives you additional rewards, additional skins, things like that. So instead yeah. of them just constantly releasing new skins and then you feel like you're getting milked for, for money just to buy a skin and then once you have it, great, now what? Instead, it's more tied into the fundamental gameplay experience. So you, yeah, pay yeah. A, you pay a smaller amount of money and then as you play, you unlock the rewards instead, which feels a lot more rewarding. Yeah, I just want to point out it's not really a subscription because you're, you don't automatically pay for the next season right no 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 of course it's, not it's but that's what i'm saying it's yeah. it's an it's an opt in opt out so you you choose okay i'm going to do it this season cuz i like the look of this stuff i'm not going to do it that other season that's fine in addition to a game pass or a battle pass system there's um two other ways you can get stuff there's loot boxes that you get which are of course you you unlock these loot boxes as you play and there's random customization items and or crafting materials so you can make your own uh, or you can unlock your own um, chosen outfits and emotes and stuff like that. And you can buy them up front as well. However, you cannot in certain countries buy these loot boxes. Like in Belgium, where I'm at, uh, you cannot buy loot boxes because, of course, the law forbids the sale of loot boxes. Yeah, so it really depends on the local gacha laws. You're just going to have to know what that's like in your region. That's right. And of course, the other way to buy stuff is there's a store that rotates out some items uh, every week, I think. And those are basically paid upfront skins that you can get. Those are fairly expensive. They're between 10 and 20 euros, uh, depending on what it is you're buying. So expensive. But if you really want something very specific, like a legendary outfit for a specific character, you could buy that. That being said, if you want some good value, because there's like a credit system in the game with... Uh, a free currency and a premium currency. You unlock the free currency as you play as well, and you can buy the premium currency. The premium currency is used to unlock these paid upfront skins or to get the loot boxes. Now, I just wanna say in Belgium, like I said before, you cannot get the loot boxes, which means that you can only spend your premium currency on the skins. There are two packs you can buy from origin slash EA that give you kind of 
uh, a better deal and some special stuff in them. There's two founders packs. Like there's a starter pack for like five euros, I want to say, and a founders pack for 25. That gives you a bunch of skins up front and some currency that you can then spend on upfront skins or loot boxes in the game. Uh, and or, of course, two paid characters that are in the game. So there's, I think, eight characters in the game by default. Six of them you can just start playing right away, and two of them you have to unlock before you can play them. Which is kind of unfortunate, but, you know, because the hero roster at the moment is only eight characters, but still. Yeah. I don't think it's a big issue because I feel that the two unlockable characters are more of a... I think they're compared to the other characters, I think they're more difficult to play. They're also more of a niche pick, I would say, in both yes. cases. Yeah. So you have two characters called Mirage and Caustic, and they're very, yeah, very focused characters. So Mirage is all about creating um, a fake you, basically a decoy. An illusion. And uh, yeah. misleading enemy teams. And Caustic is all about, um, he's a, he's basically a, a guy with a, with a gas mask on and he can gas enemies. So if you know how to do positioning and trapping well, so you, if you trap people into a certain area and kind of guide them towards your gas, you can outplay the enemy. But they're very, I guess I would say they're more situational characters, whereas the others have a more... You know, you have the typical healer, the typical tank, the typical super aggressive character, you know, they're more, I, I would even say that those two unlockables are probably some of the weaker characters in the game, right? It, yeah, because it really depends on how you play. I think it's, as you're saying, it's very specialized. It's very they're, niche. They're harder to play. They have, they have certain circumstances where they're ridiculously good, but those are fewer and further between. I would say the core lineup is definitely enough for you to have a really good experience, to be sure. So how do you feel about the monetization in general, given that it is a free-to-play game? Okay, so I'm going to say that I always judge free-to-play on two things. Number one, do I enjoy the game before I pay? The whole point of free-to-play is to get you in the door, to get you to play the game, and if you like it, then you put some money down. But I have to like it first. That's right. If I don't like it, I'm not going to put money on it. I have never liked a Battle Royale game. I love this game. I love it. It's great. Every aspect of it is great. So number one, yes, absolutely love the game at a free-to-play level. You don't have to pay in order to get a good experience. That's right. Number two, is the monetization that does exist fair reasonable? Do I feel I'm adequately rewarded for the money that I spend? I haven't looked at a lot of stuff. I kind of feel like some of the skins are maybe a bit meh, to be honest, but that's definitely something that can be fixed over time. I'm very glad to see that they didn't put all of their time and effort into designing really flashy skins to get your money. They worried a lot more about the gameplay first, so I would say that at this time, very much on the fence, but looking forward to see where the, the monetization goes. I definitely don't feel that it's unfair because the game is so, so playable at a free-to-play level. So I can't complain about the monetization at all. For what I've seen, the skins being a little bit on the expensive side. Yeah, all right, fine. You get your legendary skin. If you've put 100 hours in and you've got this main character with 100 bazillion kills, 
fine. You you want to have freaking volcanic eyeballs and everything else. Like, go for it by all <laughs> means, you know? And that's a fun thing. Yeah. When you've put that much time into it, why not? <clears throat> Literally. Yeah. If that's all you're paying for the game, why not? And the battle pass is tried and tested. It's a lot of fun. It gives you something extra to do while you're in the game because you can play certain things and lock achievements or whatever. And that's cool. I think that's definitely a good strategy. Yeah. So I can't say that there's anything here that I really frown on. So okay. for me, one kind of meh, waiting to see, and one big thumbs up. Well, like you said, I'm very pleased that the the core game is so good. The thing that you get when you pay no money is amazing. That is fantastic. And the fact that really all you're getting in this game, if you pay money, is effectively skins for your weapons and your characters means that everything remains balanced and there's no pay-to-win mechanics whatsoever. Yeah, 100%. And that's critical. The only way you could kind of say maybe perhaps a little bit pay-to-win is the fact that you can get those two paid characters earlier if you buy into the game initially. But since they're so specialized, I would say maybe that's not the case, you know? I would, yeah, I would have to say that there's there's no way that you could say that the core lineup of free-to-play characters is subservient on a on a capability level to the characters that you can unlock. It's not like, oh, the best DPS is an unlockable and the yeah. best tank is an mm-hmm. unlockable. Like, no, there's no quote-unquote no, premium, yeah. premium characters if you want. That's right. None of that. I want to bring up one specific thing. So I don't have access to the loot boxes. I feel like... Um, Of course, I unlock them through gameplay by leveling up, but at a certain point, I believe it was level 50, I want to say, I'm not sure. I read online that at a certain point, the drops stop every level and they come every five levels. And then when you hit the level cap, you get no free loot boxes anymore, which means that effectively the odds of you getting crafting materials so you can get the skins that you really want and unlock them for free is over if you don't have access to loot boxes. So if you cannot buy them, you cannot unlock extra crafting materials. So I think if you want to be able to customize your character a bit more, uh, you have a better chance of getting what you want by just buying some loot boxes. But if that is not an option, I think that the battle pass is gonna provide a, uh, a very nice alternative to that. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I just wanna say I did pick up the founders pack because I, it felt criminal to not give Respawn money after they released this game and it, it was so much fun. Like I, w- I was sitting there, geez, this game is fun. I want to swing them some money. You know, I know some of it is going to EA, but- um, How much is the Founders Pack and what do you get for that? It's 25 euros. Okay, so that's definitely not expensive. There's also a starter pack for five. So if you feel like you can only give five euros, that's fine too, you know? Wow. So this is really like pay what you feel, <laughs> to be honest. So all in all, it's not a bad deal, I think, the the Founders Pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it seems pretty fair, man. I mean, um, and honestly, it's it's kind of like you say, you know, you jump in, you play it. Honestly, it is a very good game. It has a very high level of polish. The feature set is really there. The gameplay is definitely there. 25 million players are not wrong. Let's put it that way. Um, and they, they did all that without the hype train, without the marketing extremes that we've seen in recent games so bear that in mind when we talk about that 25 million player base in a week that's really impressive so 
it's all it's all really there. You owe it to yourself to try it. Um, it's absolutely fair to swing these guys some money, like you said. I mean, like it's a it's a great product. They stand behind it. It seems like they're doing a great job with uh, with PR as well. You know, listening to the player feedback and things like that. These guys absolutely deserve a little bit of money, and it doesn't sound like they're asking a lot really for what you get. No, and again, if you don't have the money, you don't have to pay anything. You can play totally free, and that is just like amazing. It's ridiculous. Great. It's ridiculous. But of course, it's also a really good model because it means that for the people who who do want to pay, they're always going to be in a minority, of course, over the people who don't want to pay because everybody likes something for nothing, let's be honest. It means that the player base is always going to be there as long as it's a popular game, right? So everybody benefits really from the free, the free-to-play model. So yeah, if you'll excuse me, I have some more Apex Legends to play. I think um, we should probably start ending our episode right now. Indeed, yeah. And there's probably a spot in that team for me, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Because you know my tactical calls are on point. Yeah, let's go I'm, play. I'm useless in a, in a firefight. That's why we always come number two, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's yeah. not true. We won last night. Yeah, we did. first we did. victory. Yeah, finally. It was about time. I was dead when it happened, though. I'd just like to point that out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so I think we've pretty much said everything that we've got to say. Like you said yourself, we've got some Apex to play, definitely. Hopefully, we will see you there, guys. But in the meantime, we both want to wish you a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See you next month, guys.